Welcome to Making Conversations Count, our podcast where we share inspirational stories from business leaders and they tell us all about their pivotal moment. So today I'm really excited. I've got Paula Senior from the YMCA joining us to share her pivotal moment. Hello Paula. Hi Wendy, thank you very much for inviting me on here. Now tell everybody about the YMCA and how we first met. I work for YMCA Burton. We are an independent charity based in Burton-on-Trent, which covers homelessness, people at risk of homelessness, food bank, mediation, whole breadth of services. I do fundraising for YMCA Burton and passionate about the cause. Wendy, you and I met about three years ago, I think now. and We started talking, met each other a few times, and we've had some really good conversations, haven't we, about your work, what you do, what I do, and life, really. Yes. A shout out to the Love Biz and the lovely Sue Crooks that started that ladies' network. And certainly I'd heard of the YMCA, but I really had no idea about the work that the YMCA does in terms of homelessness. And as you know, Paula, I've shared my story quite publicly. I think it's 21 years ago now that I was made homeless with a six-year-old around my legs and I was pregnant at the time. So had I have known about the YMCA then, things could have been different, which is why I'm happy to support the YMCA now. And I'm guessing that this year has been an incredible and challenging time for you at the YMCA. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's been a very difficult time for lots of people, hasn't it? The year that COVID came and changed everything. Obviously, as a charity supporting some of the most vulnerable people in the community, it has been particularly challenging, not just on the basis of keeping everybody safe. The 71 people live with us, which is a considerable number of people, age range from 18 to 64, and that's men and women, all vulnerable for a number of reasons and some with some very complex needs. So being in lockdown for them is very difficult to understand and to cope with without all the other complex things going on in life. You know, we've all felt that, haven't we, with lockdown? It's been particularly challenging at times, and for business as well. But from a charity point of view, aside from the wellbeing side and keeping everybody safe, we've had a massive, massive drop in income because we had 10 events cancelled, which obviously brings income into the charity. Food bank donations dried up overnight, literally. So we rely completely on the support of our community. So churches, groups like Love Biz, networking groups who've always supported us with food bank collections, obviously couldn't meet anymore and therefore weren't able to kind of have a collection and and donate food. So the flip side of that is the demand for the food parcels went completely through the roof because children were off school and families trying to feed children, navigating furlough, navigating worrying about job losses, just surviving. Having children at home, some of those that would have had meals provided in school, was a massive impact on families. So demand through the roof and supplies completely dropped. We have struggled. It has been challenging. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, looking after people physically by giving them somewhere safe to stay. You're looking after them by feeding them, so nourishing them. But you're also yeah. having to take care of their mental well-being as well, aren't you? Yeah. Because the emotional and financial strain that, you know, perhaps losing a job and a lot of this you can't lay blame anywhere, can you? It's no. it's really difficult no. because you've got to just take what's happening and, and go with it, haven't you? 
Yeah, and I think also you will understand this as well, Wendy, like, like most of us do. When people are struggling, when there's change anyway, without it being such a massive change that they may lose their job, their homeschooling, someone they know is poorly with COVID or just poorly anyway that's navigating life, all these things compound to on people's well-being and mental health, don't they? Yeah. So. Because it's not just about one person either. It can be about a family and their extended family. And it's where does it stop? It's such a complicated situation to be in. This is why I invited you on the show. I wanted the YMCA as a UK-wide charity. Is it global, Paula? It is global. In the UK specifically, there are 114 YMCAs. That's just in the UK. Yeah. And we're all a separate charity in our own right, all independent, and we all offer a different level of service or provision. So it's 176 years today, the global movement of YMCA. God, we're getting a history lesson as well now. <laughs> so when that was set up by um, a man called George Williams in London in 1844, he'd gone to London because um, his family had deemed he may get into the wrong crowd if you like so it was industrial revolution probably the wrong crowd means perhaps going to see girls or meeting up with friends for beers nothing substantial like we might deem today he went to London as a young Christian man and realized that there wasn't anywhere for people to meet to be able to meet safely and talk or just to develop friendships and that's how the YMCA was formed originally so 176 years on there's 114 separate YMCA's now. Some YMCA's don't offer any housing, but they do a lot of youth work. So around 18 to 25 year olds is their real focus on helping them to navigate, I guess, and give them support that they absolutely need to have a good future. Yeah, it's transition, isn't it, into adult life? That parents sort of say, go learn your, your own lessons to yeah. some extent. Some say, I'm going to do it on my own. But who would have thought that way back then in the Industrial Revolution that John Williams said, we've got nowhere that we can have a proper conversation that counts? Absolutely, yeah, that's true, Wendy, yeah. A man after my own values (laughs) then as well. Who would have found that out today? And I'm guessing that you must have difficult conversations with individuals as well as some really rewarding conversations, because it's not just, you know, the negative impact of you no. know being homeless or, or being out of a job. The work that the YMCA does really does transform lives. And you've got some real good success stories, haven't you? Oh, yeah, totally. You're absolutely right. It's not all negative. It may feel like that when someone comes to us for help, whatever that help is, whether it's a food parcel or um, a family that are navigating difficulties with relationships at home. You know, we work around homelessness, support prevention, really. So a family where there's young people, perhaps in their teens, 14, 15, struggling at home for whatever reason, the family's in conflict. We offer a mediation service, which, again, is a free service to anybody to access. I think at any one time, there's about 12 families open to receiving that support. And that is all around conversation. So the mediator will say he holds the safe space or the conversation to be held respectfully and openly. Mm. Because in a where there's conflict, that can't happen. It becomes a blame game and people aren't listening and don't want to hear. But in the space that he holds and asks the question so that people can listen and converse through conversation clearly, yeah. that's part of his role. 
it facilitates the change in behavior, in attitude, in mindset, yeah. uh, in approach to everything, doesn't it? Yeah. And part of that service, usually what generally happens is that the mediator would meet both parties. So the young person and the parent or the parents, or sometimes it's extended family members if the young person doesn't live with parents. So he will meet them both separately to talk to them about what they want to achieve, what their aim is as part of the mediation. And then they meet usually somewhere independent because that also takes away the emotion. Now, of course, COVID's changed that as well. So he can't go into their home and they can't come into our site. So those conversations are still taking place. They're taking place on Zoom, like many conversations are, because it is still critical that those conversations take place. Keep that communication open is, is, yeah. is really important. I know that you have different events that you do throughout the year by going to networking and encouraging people to bring food for the food banks. And I know that you've done raffles as well, that we've all sort of brought gifts and everybody wants the Prosecco. But last year, I was involved for the very first time in one of your events because some of the ladies said, let's do the sleep out. And you'd launched the sleep out in a graveyard. And I went, I'm only doing it if we're going to go extreme. And uh, and it was a real life-changing night. Um, it really brought home a lot of things. I think a couple of weeks ago, I shared the video of the morning after I'd not slept and it's still getting views. I think it's really important that it's carrying on again this year. But there's a difference to it this year because COVID has had to allow for some changes. So Paula, tell us. How can we get involved in Sleep Out, which is tomorrow? Anybody can take part in Sleep Out. They always could. It's an event we've been running for many years. It's our 12th year this year, Wendy, and it is a key part of what we do. Yeah. The main thing is it raises awareness of homelessness, which is absolutely key, and the services we offer, but also it raises much needed funds for our services to continue. So, yes, flipped on the side. This year we're going to a whole different level. And it's going to be a virtual event tomorrow. So we're asking people to take part. They still give up your bed for one night only. You can ask people to sleep in their garden, to sleep on their kitchen floor, to sleep in their workplace maybe, or their, their drive or their courtyard, whatever, um, or even to sofa surf. Yeah. Because there are many, many hidden homeless people that sofa surf night after night after night that have no fixed address, that have no secure home to go back to and don't know sometime from one night to the next where to go. So instead of all coming together and sleeping in the graveyard like you took part last year or at Preddy Stadium, we're asking you to, to still do that. Give up your bed for one night, but do it virtually. But we'll still be connected, Wendy. We're still going to have those conversations that we had last year with everybody about why we do our work, why it's important, why people are helping us and the case studies for the success stories for those that have asked for help and worked with us to change their lives because it is life-changing it absolutely is so yeah tomorrow 6th of november and we're live streaming through the night so that we've got people talking we've got a busker playing called chris baldwin he's a local musician brilliant guy and um, he would be with us normally. So he's just going to be playing some tunes as that well. Keep so. spirits up. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. We still yeah. need to be connected. And that's really important to yeah. us because yeah. we couldn't do what we do without everybody's help. Absolutely. So, and I know last year 
you set a target and you reached it. What was the target last yeah. year? What did you raise? <laughs> okay, so last year the target was fifty thousand pound. Yeah, to get from the event, and we raised fifty thousand two hundred and fifty nine, which is an incredible, incredible yeah. amount of money. Yeah. And I know a big chunk of that goes towards the night shelter, doesn't it? Which is open over winter for people to just come in from the cold. Yeah. So in the last couple of years, we've operated what we call the winter night shelter, which opens on the 1st of December and runs till the 1st of April. So it's the harshest nights of the, of the winter, really, where people just come and spend the night. Safe place to stay, warm, hot food. What we have been doing the last 12 months has been working really, really hard around prevention and working with the rough sleepers to try and get them housed and to try and get them some stability to be in a place to live independently and to live independently, safely and without risk of losing their, you know, their home. So we've done a lot of work with people that were sleeping rough. Also the night shelter. So everybody that came to the night shelter and we worked very closely with last year. And when COVID struck and we went into lockdown, we managed to get 18 rough sleepers temporarily housed overnight in 24 hours. That's going to be an important job for you to get involved with this year because of course it's the winter's fast approaching isn't it so I would like to let all our listeners know that me and my daughter my daughter wanted to come to the graveyard last year but she was too young she's 12 this year that's right she made me promise that we did it together this (laughs) year and um, we've basically said we're going to set up camp in the office which is the log cabin in the garden it'll be freezing (laughs) yeah and she's asked for her school to help promote with the fundraising for that and I'm sure she's going to be excited to take part with everybody else on the live streaming and to hear the busking so we'll share the details of how you can help if you feel that you can you know put your hand in your pocket for the cost of a Costa coffee other brands are available everything helps sometimes people think that they have to donate a large amount of money or they have to do something really significant actually for example it costs for for somebody who has no birth certificate or no id because it's been lost or stolen or whatever it's 12 pounds to replace that they can't access any services until they have some id sometimes the first point of call to help a rough sleeper is to get a replacement birth certificate they have no money so we're paying for the 12 pounds so sometimes just the cost of probably a a couple of days lunch that people might have paid ordinarily or Mm. sandwiches for the week or a couple of coffees in the week make a difference to someone's life definitely well if we're going to get kicked out of the pubs at 10 o'clock that extra pint you know (laughs) a couple of pints yeah just just throw it the ymca's way (laughs) Um, i know it will make such a huge difference to what we do it does wendy Going back to how we first met and, and our love of conversation, I'm guessing that there must be a pivotal moment that changed your view on life that had an impact on what you're doing now, perhaps. So, Paula, share with us what your pivotal moment is, please. Just a little bit of background. I used to be a safeguarding officer um, in an education setting. So we're going back now probably six years or so. And I was supporting a young man who was thrown out of his parents' home on his 16th birthday. Really nice young lad. A few issues going on in his life, but a really good lad. I had a conversation with him probably most days that he was in, that he attended, and really got to know him. He was actually in quite an abusive relationship, but he would not make, he was staying with a partner's family, 
and not having a great time. So uh, supporting regularly, I helped him to get some finances, to get things together. He had nothing, just living this with his family. So I met him in September, fast forward to November. I hadn't seen him for a couple of days and I've been ringing him, leaving him messages, wouldn't answer. And he turned up at my door. It was 12 o'clock. It was a Friday and it was the first Friday of November. And uh, he came in, he looked absolutely dreadful. Do you want someone to go and get you a drink? Have you eaten? He wouldn't sit down. He was very edgy. He was kind of pacing around my office. And he said, I've come to say goodbye. I've tried to kill myself. I can't go on. My parents don't love me. I just can't go on with life. I'm failing at everything. So I did manage to get him to sit down for a minute. He was very, very edgy. And when you're talking to somebody who's reached this point, it's often difficult to converse anyway. He showed me what he'd done to himself the night before he tried to cut his wrist. It's the most awful thing I've ever seen. I said, right, I'll go and get you a drink. Just sit and wait. Well, he said, no, I've come to say goodbye. I want to say thank you because you've actually listened to me. You have listened to me every time I've come in moaning, crying, telling you how I feel. And you've not judged me. You've just listened. Give me some advice, what to do, et cetera, et cetera. So I've come to say thank you. So just wait, just wait. I was, I was trying to process what am I going to do? I need to keep him here because I don't want him to leave the building. I can't obviously force him. Um, I said, I'll go and get you a drink. No, 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 I'm going. And with that, he was gone. Stormed out of the office, left the building. And I had to obviously follow all the processes and the protocol. I had to ring the police, had to submit his photo. Um, he had no relationship with parents at that point. And then if I'm absolutely honest, I broke my heart because it was a young 16-year-old lad who needed just someone to give him some stability, to listen and help him through life. There's only so much I can do as a safeguard officer. So he left the building. And by coincidence, that was the night I was doing my first sleep out. I didn't work for the anniversary tomorrow then. Yeah. I had never done sleep out before. I was doing it that year with um, some team friends off he went. I also rang the YMCA. I started to develop a relationship with them through my safeguarding leads to get them to come in and do some drop-in sessions. The young people can go and have a chat and break down some barriers about you know what we do and the help that's available. I had a call about half past four that afternoon to say they picked him up. The police had found him outside his parents' address and put a note for the door to say goodbye to them too. Mm-hmm. They picked him up, they'd taken him to hospital and he'd had the help that he needed on that time. He went back home to live, actually, for a period of about three weeks. But in that time, I'd also made contact with the YMCA again to see if he could be housed at that point, if something should break down. Now, he did move in with the YMCA um, three weeks after and carried on with his studies. He did come and see me every time he was in college. shouldn't have said that. He came in every time he was in the attended and... um, he got through his qualifications and, and did brilliantly. And, you know, that was a real moment, that conversation that we had, although to me felt like it could be his last day and to him in his mind was, it wasn't. But I listened to him and I was listening, not to just respond, but to listen to what his needs were. What were his needs in that conversation? His needs were help, support and stability. And that conversation allowed me to kind of understand that and to find that for him, I guess support him to, to access that service. So I didn't work for the YMCA at that point and never thought I would, if I'm honest. <laughs> so then fast forward a little bit, I left my job, took redundancy. And by a chance conversation, the day before I left, I was invited to the YMCA by the mediator who had been working with me 
to say, come and have a cup of tea and see what we do. I thought I knew everything about what they did, obviously, but I didn't. Had a cup of tea. He said, "Some." I just have a feeling we will meet again at some point. So fast forward six months and I start work there through a chance opportunity. And I absolutely love what we do. And I believe in what we do. And I believe in the life-changing opportunities that we can give to people because I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. Absolutely. I see it all the time. I see the people that come in that feel they have nothing and that leave six months later with the world at their feet. With hope, that's what we offer. Yeah. Hope through conversation and through support. You've given me goosebumps, Paula. Because... It's a very difficult conversation. Yeah. um, It's very clear that he'd identified somebody that that would understand the subtext of what he was trying to say because at 16 that maturity of conversation hasn't developed yet has it no no um, that's true it's, there's yeah. lots of emotion and by listening to him you knew what steps to take even though he'd gone home you were already making the next steps available oh, yeah, to totally. him before he even knew that that was what was going to happen yeah, absolutely. I saw him actually not so long ago. He was around and about and he's got a little family of his own now. And I felt, felt like a bit like a proud mum, really. That, <laughs> because, yeah, uh, I mean, that's testament to your actions and being able to react and to then have the conversation with the right people to help yeah. him as well. Yeah. And I love that a chance conversation with the mediator was sowing a seed in your mind. Oh, I, I know. And now we do talk about that, actually, when we meet up. And he says, do you remember when you came? Yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I never dreamt I'd work there. Why would I? Right. I would never dream that I would be working there. And now yeah. you're there, you've you been there how long? Four and a half years now. Four and a half years. Yeah. Like, it feels like forever. I've been there forever. I bet it still feels like you're learning every day. Oh, always. Yeah. Always. Because everybody that we meet has a different story to tell. I couldn't even begin to tell you all of the reasons why people need help. There's no. many. Every, we're all individuals, aren't we, at the end of the yes, day? So we all yeah. have our own reasons. And the people that come to us for housing, again, no two people are the same. They've all had different circumstances. I think the message for everybody is it could happen to any one of us. At any time, I was, you know, as I say, I was pregnant at the time. I'd put my first marriage behind me, left some gap, met somebody that I thought was, you know, my next forever. And like overnight, from going to bed to waking up, I was told to leave in no uncertain terms. And it was kind of my car was packed. You can collect your stuff later. And that was it. And it was like, what do you do? You're in a daze. All you can do is get in the car and go because I'd got my daughter. She was six. So I was just fortunate that I had somewhere to surf. Uh, And not everybody has that. Yeah. Yeah. And not everybody does. Uh, So I came close. So I say, you know, technically I was homeless and I was to all intents and purposes. I had no fixed abode, but I was very fortunate that I had support. And I just think of all those people that don't. It was one of our mutual friends that said, being a woman in the winter, where do you go to the toilet? It's the most basic of things that sleeping out for one night brings home to you. It does. I think, Wendy, you'll probably agree. And what I took away from that sleep out that first night when I was sitting at two o'clock in the morning, wide awake because I was freezing cold, even though I was layered up. 
just listening to the sounds around me. I was very, very safe because I was in a stadium with lots of people, but I felt quite vulnerable and I would be terrible. I'd be frightened to death sleeping rough. The compounding idea of sleeping rough was that we were sat in the church drinking tea at four o'clock in the morning because once you get up and need to go to the toilet and you've got a toilet to go to, the idea of actually going back to sleep is quite hard. So you sleep a little on and off. But if you add that up, a week's worth of sleeping like that, I was battered after one night. Yeah. A week. And what that does to your capacity to think clearly, I can't imagine. Make that a month, make that a winter, make that years of continual homelessness. And you are then a shadow of your former self. Feeling very disconnected from life, really. Yeah. Uh, Mental health is one of my pet passions. Uh, I will do anything to support that and anybody and help anybody. So um, we better get an early night tonight, Paula. (laughs) Yeah. Make sure you've got a sleeping bag. and. uh, (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm sleeping on the kitchen floor, I am. That's my plan tomorrow. Yeah. I, I wish you luck and and I look forward to, to to joining you on the live stream with Alice and everybody else that's joining. We'll stick the links to the YMCA uh, fundraising page. Uh, I know it's on uh, Virgin Money, I think. Virgin, Virgin Money Giving, that's right, yeah. yeah. I know my personal page is the Wagworks because it's named after the office. Um, <laughs> but you can go directly to the YMCA. Honestly, I don't care who gets credited with the money so long as the money comes in. That's the most important thing. So thank you, um, Paula. I really thank you for sharing that pivotal moment with us. I applaud you for sharing. I'll be thinking of that anniversary tomorrow as well. And also sending a little prayer up to say, do you know what? Thank goodness he's got his own family to look after now. That's made a real difference. So thank um, you, Wendy. If anybody wants to reach out to you, Paula, where can they find you? You can call me on 07754 045869. Or my email address is paula.senior at Or if anybody needs any help, which is obviously crucial as well for anything, the number is 01283 547. 211 and we're based in Burton Town Centre opposite the Astor Island we say it's a grey curved brick building with flats either side where someone's there 24-7 the door never closes so we're always there for anyone if you know anybody that needs help pass those numbers on that'd be great thank you again Paula For those listeners that are tuning in after the 6th of November, we survived the sleep out. We're still raising funds for the YMCA. So please check out those donation links. If you can, a pound is all we're asking. Any more is fantastic. We'll keep you updated. And if you follow us on social media, we'll give you a total nearer to Christmas when all the penny counting has been done. Thank you so much. Thank you to all of my guests for sharing their contact details. When you reach out to them, don't forget to mention the podcast show so that they know exactly where you've come from. That will help them out. Thank you for listening to the Making Conversations Count podcast. It's been a pleasure to have you join us today. Please make sure you subscribe 
at makingconversationscount.studio forward slash subscribe. That way, every episode we release will come straight into your inbox and you'll never miss a conversation. Thanks for listening. Thank you.